when we are seeking God's will, when we're seeking God first, then I believe automatically he, he, the will, our will, God's personal will for us, for us personally, will be revealed. Mm-hmm. As he said in, in of course, that our, one of our favorite scriptures, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things, referring to all the the needs that we have, whether it's food, clothing, whatever it is that we need, it shall be added unto us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, instead of focusing on what's what's my will, what's my will, let's focus on God, what's your will? How can I please you? How can I serve you? How can my life be best used for your glory and when we, when that becomes our intention, when that becomes the driving force, then we won't be so much consumed as, you know, oh, you know, which way shall I turn or what, you know, which way shall I go? Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. We had the chance to sit down with not just my pastor, not just our pastor, but the general superintendent of Australia, Pastor Stanley Harvey. We had a fantastic conversation that tackles one of the most frequently asked questions in our Christian life. What is the will of God? I pray that this podcast guides you wherever you are in your personal journey. We appreciate all the support for the podcast, and we have another five-star review out of Australia. It says, must listen. It is so great to listen to the Word of God and other topics related to church with such a fresh perspective. Thank you for that great review and for listening to the podcast. We encourage you to follow us wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so it shows up in your feed, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We continue to try and make that experience better each week. Now, let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, uh, Brother Greg and uh, Brother Stefan. It's a great opportunity and a blessing to be able to join you guys again and been hearing and, and watching the, uh, the podcast has been excellent. Well, this is our third time having you on. I think you're the, our first third time guest, actually. Oh, wow. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. privileged. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'd probably have you on every second week if it was, if it worked within your schedule. Oh, I know. It, it's so, so busy as well. And it's not easy as well doing these podcasts. You know, you got to, things, you know, you got to prepare and set up and so on. But thankfully, being in the same city mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more convenient. Absolutely. And this is your first time coming on as general superintendent, so we want to congratulate you on this platform as well. Thank you. <laughs> yes, this uh, among many other firsts this year. Uh, this is a uh, yeah uh, an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to have you back on to talk about a really important topic. I, I've been wanting to cover this topic. We've been wanting to cover it for a while, but I just felt like it would be good to have you speak on it specifically. And it's about finding the will of God or knowing the will of God. And, and so many people are interested in this topic. You know, uh, if you're a Christian, you want to be within the will of God. You want to be following God's will for your life. And so I thought it would be great to have you on to talk on this subject. So thanks again for, for coming on. And if you wouldn't mind you know, introducing what you're going to be talking about here today. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, as you said, Brother Greg, it is one of the more uh, difficult and, and conflicting issues that Christians often face with. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, it's one of the, the most common questions I often get, you know, particularly with people trying to determine uh, relationships, long-term relationships, ministries, jobs, and so on. And so uh, I wish there was a, a straightforward answer for it as well, you know, that it was just a simple sort of black and white or yes or no answer. 
uh, as far as the will of God is concerned. But of course, reading scripture and understanding the word of God, we know there's a little bit more involved. There's nuances to it. And ultimately, um, you know, life is about a walk of faith. You know, we walk by faith and where God doesn't necessarily always determine um, every single decision that we have to make. Uh, and I think, I guess that's the, the disclaimer I will always make in, in sharing this idea with somebody is that, you know, God wants us to, to live a life of adventure that, you know, not every decision is predetermined necessarily or, or God has us determined. He says, you know, you choose. Mm. I've given you a brain. I've given you the, the the whole privilege of being able to choose as a human being uh, your you know which direction to take, and of course there's a difference between um, you know preferences and and morality. Mm. You know, obviously we know that the will of God is always to do what is right and to always choose what is right. But when it comes to um, you know what particular decisions or preferences in life that you want to make, which career, who to marry, um, God gives us some liberty with that to choose so um he doesn't intend for us to be automatons where you know he says you know left turn left here uh put these red shoes on you know whatever <laughs> it, you know you've got some free will you got some choice and um there's the you know the, the general will that god and i'll maybe explain that a little bit later on yeah so uh feel free to to dive into that so i guess when you're discussing the will of god do you start broad and then work your way narrow, or, or how is it that you address it? Yeah, I, I, exactly right. And I think uh, I would try to address, first of all, some of the concepts or, or misconceptions that people may have about the will of God. Um, I often re- refer to Romans chapter 12, where it doesn't actually uh, encourage you to find the will of God, but the Bible tells us to prove. Mm. You know, it says, be not conformed to this world, verse number two, but be transformed by the renew- renewing of your mind that you may prove not that you may find, but that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Mm. And so it's, I guess, more about determining or revealing what is the will of God already in our lives, as opposed to trying to find what that is. And so um, I like what Brother Bernard often teaches about this, this particular topic is we often find the will of God when we are already abiding in the will of God. Mm. And abiding in the will of God means that we are walking with God, having a, a personal relationship with our Savior, abiding in his word, meditating in his word, and being immersed in prayer, allowing uh, our lives to be immersed by the Spirit of God. And when we are abiding in God, then uh, as we understand and come to know the general will of God, then that will lead us into the more specific will of God. And so, um, yeah, the two... I guess, divisions about the will of God, the general and the specific will of God. Uh, the general will of God, of course, is what he has stated in his word, what he has declared. It's, you know, God's will for everybody to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is not, you know, God is not slack concerning his promise towards us, uh, but is, you know, willing, uh, not willing that anyone rather should perish, but that all would come unto repentance. However, um, it is people are still have the right to choose whether they're going to be obedient to the, the gospel and be saved and, and follow that will. Uh, and so that's the general will of God, is what he has revealed in his word, what he has shown to us, according to scripture, living by his commandments, by his statutes. And then the specific will, of course, is the more uh, specific details in our lives. As I said, who to marry, um, where to live, uh, where, what, what kind of job or career, um, mm. what ministry, what calling. 
what are the giftings and, and some of those things, of course, are, you know, God unfolds and reveals. But um, yeah, those, I guess, are the two divisions. And I believe that when you're following the general will, the specific will will be revealed gradually mm-hmm. and specifically and, you know, um, over a period of time that, that God will often show to us. And, um, and so those two go, go hand in hand. A person wants to know something specific, and yet they're not even following some of the basics of Christianity, the basic tenets of, of being obedient to God, you know, um, submitting to authority, coming and being a part of the church. And if you can't even do some of those basic things, then, then it would be, you, you would be hard-pressed to discover and to understand what the specific will of God is. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. It's sort of like a two-step process, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have to you have to understand what the general will of God is. Right. You have to be within that will before it can get personal at all, right? Uh, yeah, and and oftentimes, like we, sometimes we try and over spiritualize the more so the specific will of God. Like God's going to strike me with lightning, or He's going to visit me in my dreams, or He's going <laughs> to knock me on the head. And this is, you know, you're going to sign. You'll be at turning point and uh, a spotlight will shine on the girl that, that uh, God has for you. That didn't uh, happen yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, not a turning point. Though. It was that gateway Bible college. <laughs> she did stand out though, right? She did a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, you tend to do that when you're half Assyrian, half Maltese, very, very unique. With a Aussie accent. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, In Missouri. <laughs> in Missouri, in the Midwest, the only one in the entire state. Uh, but so you've got you've laid out here in your notes uh, seven ways that people can try and determine, you know, what the will of God is for life, or to follow the will of God. And um, you know, obviously, these aren't necessarily hard and fast rules, but these are principles that that you've laid out. Would you mind sharing with us some of those principles? Yes, uh, definitely. And I, I think. Again, I take a leaf out of uh, Brother Bernard's teachings, of course. He's quite practical. He's quite pragmatic in his approach to some of these more spiritual issues. And mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes people dele- delineate a little too much between the spiritual and the practical when they are, you know, obviously they, they overlap and they are interconnected. Uh, and so this is a more pragmatic approach to it, into understanding or discovering the will of God. I do believe, of course, that, that God speaks to us. You know, mm-hmm. he, he you know, speaks into our spirit, whether it's a still small voice or an impression or that you know, still small voice can be interpreted as a whisper, uh, that God will speak into somebody's heart you know, about specific things. I do believe that that does happen. But uh, in my experience as a pastor and, and minister and a Christian for many years, uh, I have not experienced too many of those things personally mm-hmm. where God is speaking to me uh, you know, in the deep, uh, about decisions, uh, you know, on an on an all regular or ongoing basis, but but oftentimes as I step into some of these practical principles, that I see God's will unfolding before mm-hmm. my eyes, or as I'm walking through those yeah. things. So the first thing, of course, number one is is looking to God and His Word, what He's already revealed. This is also what's known as the, um, well, there's general revelation and then there's specific revelation. I'm talking about the general will, but the general will is found in the specific revelation of God mm. or the special revelation of God, and that is his word. God's given us, he's preserved his holy word for us to be able to understand, to know his will, what his will is in general for humanity, what his will is for us as individuals, 
And so, um, you know, we have to know the Word of God. We have to know what God's Word teaches. Uh, we develop our theology and we de- develop our doctrine from His Word. And that will reveal to us oftentimes what He wants us to do. Mm. And so, um, you know, somebody may ask, well, is it God's will for me to divorce my wife? <laughs> Uh, well, it's revealed in his word already that, you know, God hates divorce and that, uh, you know, it should only, you know, if adultery happens, of course, but uh, even the Bible encourages us to uh, seek to reconcile, even if that happens, if there's repentance, if there's genuine repentance. But obviously we know that the word of God tells us that there's no reason for the divorce except for adultery. Mm-hmm. And so we already know that that is not the will of God for you, just because maybe, you know, she doesn't. Um, cook your favorite breakfast, or um, he, he might have... He lets himself go. Yeah. <laughs> he allows the love handles to, to, to become, you know, love handle bars. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that, that you do, because that's not the will of God. Obviously, we understand that from God's word. So, um, and every, so many other issues, particularly when it comes to moral matters, the, the Bible already dictates to us what is his will. And, and so... Um, that's why we teach people that come into the house of God that are, are new converts. You know, you need to get grounded in the word. Yes, you need amen. to know what your word, the word of God says, because if he never speaks to you individually, if he never whispers into your spirit, he has given us enough yeah. in his word for us to be able to live in this life, our whole lives in this world, living successfully for him and, and be able to get to heaven when mm. our life on earth is through. So that is of absolute importance. Yeah, and I could imagine some of the conversations that, that you have as a pastor. You know, it's like people are asking about the will of God, and you're like, hey, are you reading the Bible? Are you even reading the Word of God? Because that's a, a simple way that God can speak to you is through His Word. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> that Brother Slack often used to ask that of people, you know, when they would ask him for counsel and said, well, have you talked to God first? And, and I think that same similar principle applies that, you know, if you want to know the specific will, well, what does the word of God say to, to you already? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it God's will for me to marry this unbeliever? Well, Scripture tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers in Corinthians. And so already we understand that Scripture and, and you know, we can give an answer based on the Bible. So we shouldn't flirt to convert? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Don't flirt to convert. <laughs> <laughs> Don't date to whatever. I don't know. Proselyte. 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 Just make up words. Yeah, just make up words. It rhymes. But yeah, exactly. So yeah. what's the uh, second? Well, the next thing, of course, um, and this may, I guess, be a differentiation from, you know, praying for what is the will of God. And instead of asking for praying for the will of God, pray for wisdom mm. in most cases. Mm. Um Brother Raymond Woodward teaches a wonderful lesson on, you know, the, the, the most important question to ask. It's not, is, is this right or wrong for me to do? But what is the wise thing to do? And so we need to pray for wisdom. And, and James tells us that if any man lacks wisdom, James 1 and 5, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And he abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And so... That scripture encourages us that, that God gives wisdom freely, liberally. Yeah. He, may, he may not always give to us liberally financially <laughs> because that may be detrimental to our spirituality. But certainly when it comes to wisdom, God wants to pour it out in abundance. Mm. 
And so we have to ask for it. And, and oftentimes when it comes to decisions in life, uh, we need to ask, you know, God, give me wisdom. What is the wise thing to do in this situation? For example, people may want to be, uh, you know, have a job offer uh, in, a, in a remote area, in a rural area, and that place in that, that town, that rural town, may not have an apostolic church, may not even have a church at all. Mm. And so um, wisdom says, well, you know, I can be earning more money going to this town, but then I don't have a church to belong to. And, mm. and they may not necessarily be called to ministry themselves where they can perhaps start a church, but they need to be in fellowship with the church. And so, well, I, th- I would often say, well, it, it's a wonderful opportunity to make more money, but is it really wise for you to be away from the community of, of faith believers, your, your, your church family, where, you know, spiritually you will be sustained? And so that's a case where, you know, God hasn't spoken to you or me. He hasn't said, yes, go. But let's use some wisdom here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's definitely important when, when we're making these decisions or when we're uh, approaching the will of God that, yeah, many times we can change our our minds when we just ask that question, what is the wise thing for me to do here? And, uh, you know, uh, many times, yeah, your, your mind will be changed and, and you don't even have to talk to leadership about it, but <laughs> you can just talk to the Lord in prayer and he can help you and guide you in that, in that decision making process. Yeah. And, and I think w- wisdom of obviously differentiates from, from desires. And, um, oftentimes we are, determined we're driven by our desires and you know this person for example with relationships for example you may a person may may find somebody very attractive and their emotions are being stirred and their hearts are are being stirred and they're attracted but wisdom has to rise above emotions because Mm -hmm. uh you know if they're not living for god while they might be an attractive person uh, to to a, a believer wisdom says if you, I might, this, they might be an attractive person. They might be good looking, and uh, but when you get together and get married, they're not going to be going to church. They're not going to be living for God. Right. And and uh, you know, in relationships and all the the counseling that I've been doing over many years, uh, good looks eventually fades in the <laughs> eyes of, of a person. And not not that they they'll become ugly, but right. but you know, it, it's about how you get along. And it, and wisdom should, teaches us that if they're not going to be serving God, that when problems arise and when their difficulties arise, and often they will if you have two different mindsets, if you're a Christian mindset and an unbelieving mindset, then it will cause only more heartache and problems. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I always see that wisdom is always in conflict with our fleshly desires. Yes. Mm. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And I was was just thinking that, like, especially in, in regards to relationships, all you have to do is just think about, some of the, though for those of us who've been married, you just have to think about some of the big decisions that you make as a couple. If your priorities aren't aligning, especially with the will of God or the purpose of God, like if you want to give an offering to missions, but your partner isn't saved, you know, you can't just give money without discussing it with them. When it comes to raising children, if your worldviews aren't in alignment, it's going to be quite difficult when you're trying to set boundaries. And, and people don't really think about that. As, as you said, the passions tend to override uh, the wisdom that that should be considered when when we're going making these decisions. Yeah, exactly. And I always encourage our young people: if you're going to choose somebody, and especially if you feel the call of God, as, as much again as your emotions are stirred, you have to discipline yourself to say, "Well, I've got to look at my life with this person ten years down the road, twenty years down the road, 
and 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 in some cases, but very few, and I certainly wouldn't encourage it. It can sometimes work out where the other one does get converted, but you got to ask the question: Will this person support me or help me in fulfilling the ministry that God has for me, or will they be a detriment? Mm-hmm. And so that's wisdom. Mm-hmm. What's the third principle? Well, the next one, of course, is is basically again. This is very simple: is to do what you know to do. Okay, doing what you already know to do and and the basics of, of Christianity, of prayer, of reading the word, of being in the house of God, continue in, in what you know to do. If Even if you don't have the answers, even if you don't have the revelation of what to do next year or tomorrow, but whatever it is that God has given you to do today, keep doing that. Keep following the basics. And, um, you know, and sometimes... Of course, human relationships are not black and white, right? Yeah, there, yeah. There's, you know, people uh, in our own church, in our own assembly, we have people who are married, who've come together with other people in different ways. Some of them, uh, and a lot of them have met somebody in the church, and that's wonderful. But in some cases, that hasn't always happened. And I always like to refer to a story that Brother Jerry Jones, the fir- former general secretary of the UPCI, tells, which I think, it, you know, sums up some of the nuances of, of human relationships. And he talks about a, a young minister who picked him up one time. They got to talking in the car in, this, in, the, in that one-and-a-half-hour journey. The young man uh, had come to the Lord at the age of 21. He had a, a hard life of drugs and immorality. And his friend started going to the church and told him, you need to come with me. And his friend um, didn't have the Holy Ghost uh, or was living for God, but he said some of the prettiest girls I've ever seen in all my life are going to this church. So you need to come with me. And they, they look, uh, he said to them, he t- said to his friend, his unsafe friend, they look different, uh, they're, they're clean, um, you know, there's something about them and you need to come see. And so he went, and he was telling Brother Jones this story and he said, I, I went and he said, my eyes fell out. I got to looking at those girls and I said, I got to date one of these girls and, and they're the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. That long hair, the modest attire, still stylish but modest and so um, he went up to the one to one girl that he found attractive, and thank God he went to the right one and asked her if she'd like to go out for dinner. And she said, you know, I'd like to, but I can't. And he said, why not? Well, she said, because you're not Pentecostal. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You're not living for God. Well, he was a religious person, but he knew he wasn't really living for God. Well, and then he said to her, well, what if I get the Holy Ghost? <laughs> and she said, well, you get it. And we'll see. <laughs> so he started coming to church fairly regularly and started asking her out on a regular basis. And he figured one way or the other, he'd talk, to, uh, he'd talk her into it or get the Holy Ghost either way. And he kept asking her and she kept saying, when you get the Holy Ghost, then we'll talk. <laughs> Finally, he went to the altar. And, uh, you know, he may have had a different motive, an ulterior motive, but but he did end up getting the Holy Ghost. And, and he told Brother Jones, he said, Brother Jones, I've never felt anything like that at all. Uh. He might have gone there initially. And, and here's the thing for us to also remember, that sometimes people come to God for different reasons, yeah. ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. But in the process, God can work with that mm. and, and can change him and can bring them to a knowledge of him and salvation. And so um, he finally went to her. And the next service, he said to her, well, uh, I've got the Holy Ghost. Will you go out with me now? <laughs> And she said, not yet. <laughs> he said, but I got the Holy Ghost. And she said, well, 
And then, of course, he got baptized in yeah, the yeah. process as well. And she goes, I got the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized. And she said, well, let's see how you do for a while <laughs> if you're faithful to the house of God. That's good. And so he was in every service, every course that the church offered, every event. And six months later, she said, okay, let, let's go for dinner, but just dinner uh, before church. And so um, the rest, as they say, is history. And they, they're now married and, and serving the Lord in ministry. Mm. And so, um, you know, sometimes, of course, and, and what, what this girl showed, what she exercised and determined that, that she would uh, not see date anybody that wasn't a believer. And this young man was new, and she understood that. She had sensitivity enough to know, well, I don't want to just push him away because God may, may save him. And so she wasn't making any false promises, but she just simply said, well, let's see, let the process take place. And, and, and do what you know to do. She did what she knew to yeah. do, and then he ended up doing what he knew to do. <laughs> and, and he got the girl in the end, and, yeah. you know, it all ended well. Yeah, and you can almost see a combination of the two of your of the second principle you lined out in the third there, where it's like, you know, she used wisdom. But some of it, it doesn't require a, a vast, uh, you know, knowledge or understanding to know that, hey, if he's not saved, you know, Maybe we shouldn't be dating him, you know, and and so over time she knew this is what I need to do. This is what he needs to do, and and it ended up working out. I, I love that's a I love that story. I think I've heard it before, but yes. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I went and I had to research the actual uh, story that Brother Jones shares in one of his sermons, one of his messages. But yeah, I, I think and again, here's a tip for everybody. And 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 one of the major things that people ask for in the will of God is obviously relationships. Mm -hmm. you know, how do I know this is the right one for me? Uh, look for those who are doing the right thing, who, who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, don't go for the ones. They might be uh, pretty. He might have abs. <laughs> uh, you know, she might have, you know, blue eyes, whatever. But if they're on the fringes and not living for God, they're not consistent, they're not on fire for God, you know, they, they, they'll probably be the ones that have issues that will give you issues. So look for the ones that are doing what they were supposed to be doing. And, you know, I, I heard something recently that said, uh, um, that asked the question or um, the, the heading was how to be a success in life. And it says to be a success in life is to marry the, the right person. Mm. That's number one, to marry the right person. 95% of your happiness or misery depends on who you're marrying. Wow. And so be sure you, you marry the right one. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and, and of course, I know we've been talking a lot about uh, relationships, but there's also the issue of ministry. Right. And so um, some people are asking, well, you know, what's God called me to do? Is he called me to, to be a, a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet? And we believe, obviously, in the, the whole fivefold ministry. But um, if that hasn't been opened up to you yet, then do what it is you know to do. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to be a, a pastor and... This is something that Brother Slack had taught us many years ago. He asked us a question quite, quite you know, directly. You feel the call to be a pastor? And, and you know, quite coy and a little shy, he said, yes, we do. He said, well, <laughs> he, here's the broom. Here's, here's the mop. And so what he was trying to teach us was, you know, that's not for you right now, but, but here's some of the things that will lead the way for you. If you can do, you know, the Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. Mm. And so our hands at that stage as young people couldn't find the pulpit or a particular position or role. But what we could do was our hands found the vacuum cleaner. 
we found the streets, tracks that we can put into letterboxes and we can go out into the streets. And, and I tell you, if I, we didn't do those things, God would have never uh, opened up or, or taken us to the next level of what we were called to do. And the scripture teaches us, if you can be faithful in the little things, then God will make you ruler over much. And so uh, don't, you know, encourage all young leaders or people who are aspiring, want to know what the will of God is. Well, the will of God for you is whatever you can do right now. And if you can be faithful in that, then you will see the greater calling on the ultimate destiny that God has for you. But you will never recognize that. You'll never realize that unless you are doing what you can do today. So that, that's the, the um, last part of, uh, you know, I guess doing what you know to do. And the next part is, of course, putting God first mm-hmm. in, in all your decisions. In every decision, thought, and intent, consider God's desires. If you want to know God's will, it's always that, that he would be glorified, that his will is being done, and that it will um, be to the extension of his kingdom. It will be to the to glory of his name. Everything would be to, to fulfill not, not our personal wishes mm. or our ambitions and drives, but what, what God is happy with. Um, yeah. Uh, we, sorry to interrupt you there, but because we just had um, Brother Lawami Diaz on, and and he made a, a really great point on that specific issue when he was talking about uh, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, and then also I think it was Joseph who said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I heard that. I was wondering. yeah, it's so good, and and it was like many times we uh, we try and interpret what is good in life or what is good for us based on our own ideas or, or what we expect to take place. Not many of us would, um, you know, think that the will of God is going to take us into heaps of hardship hardship because we don't want that. <laughs> you know, we only want the good things. And, uh, but as you're saying here, we need to take into consideration what is God's purpose? What is it? What is his overall view of what's taking place? Yeah. yeah amen. I, I love that. What would brother Luami shared about, that, that passage in, in Genesis 50 where he said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And, and sometimes we can sort of misinterpret that to say that um, what, what, the evil that happens to us, God can turn it around for good. But rather, what he's saying is what evil happened to us, God meant that evil to happen mm. so that it can produce good in us. Wow. And, produce, you know, and I thought that that was just brilliant, brilliant idea. And yeah, I, I think you know, when we seeking God's will, when we're seeking God first, then I believe automatically he, he, the will, our will, God's personal will for us, for us personally, will be revealed. Mm-hmm. As he said in, in of course, that our, one of our favorite scriptures, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things, referring to all the, the needs that we have, whether it's food, clothing, whatever it is that we need, it shall be added unto us. Mm. And so uh, instead of focusing on wh- what's, what's my will, what's my will, let's focus on, God, what, what's your will? How can I please you? How can I serve you? How can my life be best used for your glory? And, and when, we, when that becomes our intention, when that becomes the driving force, then we won't be so much consumed as, you know, oh, you know, which way shall I turn or what, you know, which way shall I go? And, and I think um, that is a very, very important principle to understand. And, and if we take, take that approach in everything, even with our marriages, even as parents with our children, that you know, our children and our, our spouses are not there to provide my wants or my needs, but I want to 
honor God by by serving them the best that I can, um, then then I think that really uh, lends for for a happy relationship indeed. Mm. Yeah, and then when we're all serving one another, if if we're all submitting to one another, serving one another, then the needs are met. And I love that passage, especially because it says it's talking about the needs that we have, not necessarily the, the desires the or desire. the ones that yeah. we have. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and if we like, if we allow God to conform our will or change our will towards His, transform us, then our needs will be and our desires will be directed more towards what He would have for us anyway. Exactly, and I think that's where a lot of the misconceptions come in. Is that they often people want the will of God, but what they often want is their will, what they want to happen. And I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter 21 where um, Paul was was having to head back to Jerusalem and he comes across some believers and, and there was a, a man by the name of Agabus, a prophet, who, who took him by his girdle in Acts 21 and verse 11, his belt, and bound his hands and feet with it and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns the girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. This was a prophetic word, right. right? This was the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church. And when everybody that was there heard these things, um, all of them that were with Paul uh, besought Paul, encourage him, don't yeah. go. Look, God is speaking to you. And, and, and any lesser man would say, well, God's speaking to me that this is what's going to happen to me, then I better not go. But, but listen to what Paul says. Paul answered in verse number 13. He says, why are you weeping and you're breaking my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he wouldn't be persuaded, he sees saying the will of God, the will of the Lord be done. Mm. And so he already knew what the will of the Lord is, which was for him to go to Jerusalem despite what the outcome would be over there. God had called him to go back and to speak and to preach the gospel there even though he was going to be suffering persecution. Wow. And so, you know, me, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, no, I, I mean, I'm not going. If that's going to happen to me, I'm going to stay home. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the warning. Thank you for the warning. Yeah, no, but but that's it. all it was. Exactly. It was just a warning to warn Paul that this is, this is what you need to expect. And, um, you know, and Paul says, well, I'm, I'm ready because God's called me to do this. And whatever the will of the Lord is, let it be done. Mm. And I think what a, what a great theology and attitude and spirit I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to op- walk in through the door, and that's probably the next part of, of one of the, the points. But whatever happens, it's the will of God. Where, where my life is right now, I'm serving him, I'm doing the best I can, this is the will of God. And whatever the outcome is, that's not for me to wow. determine. Yeah. What's so powerful about Paul's journey, and in, in, in specifically, is that, yes, he was going through and he, and he was evangelizing, and from the outside we could see of course, that's God's will. God's will is for him to evangelize and to continue in ev- evangelizing. And I've read that passage. I'm doing like a, a Bible reading program that has me reading through Acts once a month this year. And uh, every time I get back to that story, I'm just like, man, Paul, how did you do that? But, you know, uh, you, th- you think about it. Yeah, our idea would be he needs to keep, keep evangelizing. Mm-hmm. He's better outside the prison. <laughs> Whereas God maybe wanted to get him into the prison so then he could write the letters right. that we are now reading, the letters that have impacted the church for two millennia. And would those letters exist without him being imprisoned? Obviously, we don't know that. But, you know, God knew, and, and, and his will was to send him in that direction. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that's a great point. 
that uh, these what was seemingly terrible persecution that's happened, and Paul lists them in his epistles. Um, they're actually God's will. He, mm-hmm. What he, God, what other other people mean for evil, God meant it for good, so that He can write the epistles. Uh, in the case of uh, the Philippian jailer, uh, he was in prison with Silas, mm-hmm. but he brought salvation to the Philippian jailer and his whole family. And who knows what it would have? I mean, I'm, I didn't study as to what happened to the Philippian jailer. Maybe he ended up going back to the, to Philippi mm. and be a, either part of the church or. Or the Philippines. Or the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> he discovered the Philippines. It's the Filipino jail. A couple of thousand years before. <laughs> 1,800 years. Before. But yes. So yeah. you hinted at it already. The, the next point is the having an open door policy. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I learned this. Brother, Brother Harold Hoffman, when he came here for Turning Point many years ago, preached a message on it. Um, I can't remember the exact message, but he, he touched on the fact that Oftentimes, he discovers the will of God by simply the doors that have opened and the doors that have shut. And, and God doesn't really speak to him much more than, here's an open door. He says, if it's an open door, he will walk in it. Mm-hmm. And a bit like what, what happened with, with Paul, he walked right into the jaws of, of a people that are antagonistic towards him but would imprison him where he would be able to write the, some of the epistles. And, um, yeah, and I think that's often... If, how God reveals his will uh, is if God opens that door, you know, if you get an opportunity to minister, to preach at a church, or to have uh, involvement in a particular ministry, if, um, you know, door opens, uh, you know, again, if you're in the church, find your life partner there as well. Don't be going out looking for it everywhere. It's, there's already an opportunity, an open door uh, right there with a person that you can get to know. Um, you know, don't be like a Samson who, uh, of all the girls in, in Israel, he could have uh, dated. He somehow wanted the one outside of Israel. Mm. And so that, that was not, I mean, a, a, an open door in the sense that the opportunity is there. Yes, but open door is in what, what God has provided for us, uh, available to us today. And, and that could help you to eliminate a, a lot of the things that, you know, may not be the will of God for you because the door is simply not open. And if there is an uh, open door, just because we get an opportunity and just because there, there is an invitation, like say an invitation to minister or an invitation to become someone's like assistant pastor or to be a pastor of a church, we still have to pray and seek God's wisdom. Amen. The door is open, but what is the wise thing to do? Is this what God wants me to do right now? Yeah, exactly. Of course, yeah. And again, I just want to give you the opportunity to clarify that. Yeah, there, there's there's lots of different doors that can open, yeah. and I guess uh, what I'm referring to is doors that that are specifically towards a ministry or the right person. But yeah, there could be a ton of opportunities. For example, God, you feel the call of God to to start a work, a missions work. Well, there's you know hundreds of of towns mm. and cities in Australia for example, to go. So which one do you go to? They're all available. They're all open. And yes, and I think definitely you can pray for God's direction, uh, which one. And then you can also use wisdom. Well, uh, you know, I, I still need to be uh, close enough to, to family members because I'm needed. And so I'll go to a town where I could still be able to drive two hours across and I'll be there. I'll, I'll be with them or what have you. Or, um, you know, there's a town here um, I've actually got an, a job opportunity there as well, and I feel the call to to start and open a church there, start a, a plant, a church plant, and um, and again, this will lead to the next few points as well. Uh, the leadership 
are also in favor of that. They also agree. They feel that um, you know this right by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the right thing to to do. Then then by all means, of course, you need to exercise a, a lot of these points. A lot of these pragma- pragmatic um, uh, principles uh, have, of course, a uh, disclaimer that you are praying, that you are seeking God, and that you are asking Him for for Him to reveal. And because oftentimes He will speak to an individual, He'll speak to the leadership. Um, but but even if he doesn't, uh, you pray and ask God, you know, close the doors that are not your will mm. and open that door. Do you feel that this open door policy is sort of a part two of what a burden you might have initially uh, versus just saying, I never really had this burden, but there's an open door. Do you feel like it's a part two to that? Yeah, I think it, it can be. Yeah. I think it can certainly be that you have a burden and then it matches with an opportunity right. that arises. So, wow. And God often does that. God often orchestrates things, but he's already working in your heart right. before that. He's already yeah. speaking to you in dreams and visions. I still believe that God can speak his will into in, individuals by dreams and visions. We know that from the word of God. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a a part to it that's connected that that one confirms another. You know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established and let it be confirmed by, by many things. And so, yes, I think there's definitely a connection there. Yeah. And, and you'll have, uh, uh, I guess, adding on to, to what uh, Stefan just said, is that you'll also have, like, God will give you the skills as well. Like, he's not going to just send you somewhere and you've <laughs> not developed in any way. You have Absolutely. no ability whatsoever. And God's like, hey, go. You know, yeah. like, he, he wants you to succeed. He's your father. So Yeah, and, and I, I think that goes into an, another topic of, uh, you know, we can certainly discuss about, you know, how do I know what my calling is or my gifting is and so on. And um, some people may want a role or position or a title, but if they have no, absolutely no innate competency or ability in that area, I would question that. Mm. Um, But, you know, if you've been doing what you're doing, you're being developed in that area of ministry, and and that that competency begins to grow to a level of, of excellence, to a level of then, then that may be matching with another opportunity that God would open a door. You know, we've got a great big world to mm. reach, and we've got many uh, other opportunities that God would open up for us. But, but certainly, uh, I think those go in line. You know, how do I know my, you know, what if it's God's will for me to be a, a preacher? Well, you, have you got some ability in that area? You know, is there is there a desire within there? Like mm. like we said, yeah. God starts starts to stir the heart of a person mm. and a burden, like you said, Stefan. And then, as you said, um, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit there. When that open door happens, then it's incumbent on you as someone who is wanting to walk through that open door to seek counsel. And that's your, that's your next principle. Exactly. I, I think um, this is where we find safety, the Bible says, in, in the multitude of counselors. And so, um, again, it also says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. And so it is uh, vitally important to, to get the counsel from um, your leadership, the authority of pastors, your family, of course, your spouse, you know, especially if you're making a major decision, if you're married. Um, you know, I've had people come to me and say, oh, I want to go here. And one of the first things I asked is, well, have you talked to your wife? Uh, you know, because they might have this burden and desire and, and their wife says, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> My feet is planted here. You know, I've got the schooling for the kids. I've got, you know, services. I've got my, my job. And so 
you know, you have to discuss it with, with, with those that are around you. And of course, your, your, your family, your parents, nobody loves you more than your own parents and they want to see good for you. And of course, your, your, your pastor and your leader. And that's where we find that as a sounding board, somebody that can, you know, check, you know, and sometimes I, you know, me as a pastor, somebody will come to me about something and I'll feel, um, they're, you know, ambivalent, if you will, uh, don't have any, haven't heard from God. Um, then I'll say, okay, well, let's, let's explore this a little bit more. We'll discuss it. We'll tease it out. We'll, we'll look at all the, the logistics of what's involved in whether it's ministry or starting a new work or, or whether this person is going to be right for you as a, a life partner, then we, we can discuss it and, and gives us that ability to sort of lay everything on the table. But at, at times you've, I feel a check in my spirit about something oh, that doesn't feel quite right. Um, this doesn't, you know, there's something about it. I, you know, can't always put my finger on it because when you send something in the spirit, sometimes he, God doesn't always give us the, you know, every single detail. Mm. You know, he called Abraham out from the earth of the Chaldees, but he didn't exactly show him where and how, but just simply get out, you know, and sometimes that may be what God is telling somebody, you know, get out or go in, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's where uh, certainly godly counsel is is very useful. What are some uh, things that we should not do when we're approaching leadership or we're approaching our pastor when it comes to talking about what we feel is the will of God for our lives? That That's a great question. And, and because I think you would know oftentimes, I, I, you've probably been approached yourself, and I, I, I'm certainly as a pastor been approached many times about what they want to do in their life, not necessarily asking for my thoughts, not necessarily asking for um, my, my feedback. I have people come to me quite often, and it's quite alarming that, you know, they said, this is what God wants me to do, uh, this is what God says, and not asking me whether I approve it or not, or mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea, but they're basically telling me what they're already going to do. And so me as a pastor, if God says something to them, who am I mm-hmm. to, uh, to counter that? If God's already spoken to you, uh, you know, I would often say, well, are you, are you sure that that's really the voice of God? And I've had a couple of occasions, quite a few occasions, I've pleaded with individuals about to, to reconsider that whether that's really God's will for them. But I, I was just talking to, to a wall. I mm. felt like um, they were not taking heed at all to what I had to say. And it really didn't make any difference to them. They're basically saying, Pastor, I'm just coming to you, telling you this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And there was no sense of, I want to be in submission. I want, I want to be under your authority. I want to know what your thoughts are. And they're already predetermined. Mm. They, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, and, and in these cases, unfortunately, it's, they've gone to places, for example, where there's no churches. They've done things where it's not beneficial for them spiritually. It's not in a healthy environment for them spiritually. And uh, often, you know, they will um, struggle. And so, yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the, the problems that, that we see with people approaching uh, authority. They just want us to rubber stamp it to rubber stamp their wrong decisions, <laughs> the decisions that are not glorifying to God. It's not you know, glorifying to them, uh, to, to God. It's not beneficial to them spiritually. And um, in those cases, I, I have to put up my hands. And say, well, what can I do? You don't want to listen to me. You know, all the best. All right. you know? So what not to do is don't just inform leadership, but don't just inform your pastor, you know, what you feel the will of God is. And, and don't throw down the God card <laughs> while exactly. you're meeting with them. <laughs> yeah. 
don't ask for a meeting for advice and have a your mind already made up, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, like like the story with with Peter and when Peter saw the vision coming down, God was speaking to him, but God was already preparing um, Cornelius mm-hmm. and his household yeah. for what was to come. So when God speaks to somebody, often He will put it in the heart of of the the leadership. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely right. Don't don't pull out the God card. Don't you know tell your your pastor your leader what what's going to happen but ask them what do you think and mm. and and place yourself in submission yeah cuz it's the it's the pastor's responsibility to watch for your souls and exactly so you should run everything through them for sure yes. when it comes to big decisions like this well i i don't know about you bro but uh stefan but i've really enjoyed having pastor on and to talk about this and before the the golds who are in the audience freak out that we're only at uh, principle number six. I want you to have the opportunity to close off with, with the final principle. So w- what is the final principle that you have for us when it comes to um, seeking and finding the will of God for our lives? Yeah, the final principle is simply to, to trust God and be patient. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, the word of God tells us, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And so it's almost like a, a very reassuring text, a passage that God says, look, you can trust me. My, my intentions for, for you are good. It's not to, to make life hard or, or miserable for you, but they will always be good in the end. That even when there is hardship in life, know that God is with us and he's allowed to, allowing it to happen because he knows that we have the resolve and the maturity to be able to stand but at the same time, when we don't, he's promised that he will help us. And so, uh, and through every, every decision, continue to be obedient to his word, trusting that even if it goes against your, your, your desires or what the King James uses the word, your lusts, or what, what might be appealing or what might be convenient or what might be easy, trust in continuing to follow his word, knowing that when you do, when you're obeying the general will of God, the specific will for your life will unfold assuredly. Um, you know, there, there's so many scriptures that, that I could use, but, uh, you know, I just want to encourage people to trust, trust the church, tr- trust the authority that God has placed in the church, uh, and know that even if your pastor or your authority, spiritual authority is wrong, maybe he's missing it, but you continue to be obedient, submit yourself to that authority, you are still honoring God. And you will not miss out uh, on what God has for you. You know, I think we all at times experience this FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Oh, I'm missing the will of God. My, my friends are all marrying off. They're all coupling off. They're finding somebody that they could uh, marry, and I'm still here. I still don't have. Have I missed the bus? You know, you feel like you're that, you know, that lone suitcase on the conveyor belt at the airport. And nobody's picked it up. Trust God. <laughs> Uh, that that he he will do you know don't don't lose your spirituality don't lose your christianity and go off and find some dude you know out there on the streets or what have you but um you know be patient and and god has his hand upon your life and you can trust him and that he will bring it to pass